God, there is so much that we don't understand. Um, and so often it has to do with evil. We don't know why these broken things um, happen. And it breaks our hearts, Lord, to see people that we know or people that we're um, in a community with um, going through so much pain and so much suffering. Jesus, we thank you that you are our hope in every circumstance. That, God, there truly is no one like you. And so, Lord, we lift up Cole because you know his whereabouts. You know the state of his heart, the state of his being. Um, and, God, we know that uh, you are not far from him. And so, Jesus, would you help the police? Would you help his family or friends um, find out where he is? Lord, if he's in a place to be able to come back, um, Lord, would you even move now in his heart to soften and, and come back? Um, and, and, Jesus, we ask for your help um, in caring for the hearts of his parents and friends who are hurting so much right now. Lord, you are near to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. And so would you surround them with your presence, with your love, and would you bring people into their lives um, that can just be with them in their sadness. And when, when it's appropriate, when it makes sense, point them to hope in you. Um, Jesus, we pray for our community. And in the midst of this weather and just the midst of the age that we live in, depression and anxiety run rampant. And it um, causes people to make some really sad and, and, and misled decisions. So, God, would we hang on to the hope that we have in you, and would we not be afraid to share that with those who are at their lowest spot? You are our Lord and our King. You are the light in the darkness. And so, God, would you shine light into this situation right now? Your name, amen. Like I said, this is a place to talk about that stuff. Real crap happens. It feels like hell on earth happens at times. And uh, we got to run to Jesus together in that. That's what community, that's what family does. Um, and in this series that we've been in, of Life of a Disciple, um, the last couple weeks we've uh, been looking at, okay, what is like the purpose, like boiled down of a disciple? And so we spent three weeks on talking about loving God. Um, Debbie shared about spending time with God. I talked about worshiping God. And Matt uh, Dennis last week talked about obeying God. And those aren't like the three only ways like to show adoration or love um, to God or how we love him. There's many more, um, but we could probably be here all year um, doing uh, talking about that. But now we're moving kind of into the, the second section of this. Purpose of disciple is to love God and love others. Um, so family, right? Uh, just a couple seconds ago, I said, we're family here. And I know some of you totally believe that, and you come here because this feels um, like family. And I know for me, my whole life, I have longed to be a part of a family. Um, I have an awesome family that lives in Portland um, that I grew up with, mom, dad, sister. Um, but even outside of my immediate family, I just so long to belong to a group of people um, for people to love me, to see me, to know me. And whether your experience has been um, that when I say family, um, that it's like, yeah, I have an awesome big family, tons of brothers and sisters, extended family, and we love each other super well. Everybody um, comes to each other's events and we have big parties. Or if you're on the other side of the spectrum, 
And you're like, man, family? Like, I don't know if I've ever really experienced like what true family looks like. My family is broken. Um, my family is non-existent. Um, I've, I've wanted to be seen. I've wanted to be known and loved by family, but I don't know if that's ever taken place. And everywhere in between, um, I'd say that all of us were created with this longing to be a part of a family, um, even if our experiences with that have been really positive or really negative. Um, and we long for family, but family are people that usually know us inside and out, and we know them inside and out. So we see them at their worst, um, and they see us at, at our worst as well. We see each other at, at each other's best, um, and they see us at our best. And so it's like a place of really being known that there's not much hiding or faking in front of family. This weekend, uh, we celebrated Easter. Um, uh, saw a lot of you on Sunday. That was super awesome. Such a good time to celebrate together. And, and what we celebrated on Easter was Christ conquering over sin and death so that whoever believes in him, whoever would follow him, whoever would be his disciple might have access to right relationship with God. And that's what we talk about a lot here on Wednesdays. That's the story of the gospel and of what Jesus has done, what we've, um, what we've been brought into, what we've been set free from. But when Jesus did that, why we celebrate Easter isn't just because um, God and in, in us having right relationship with him, it wasn't like God looked at us and, and saw our sin and then what Jesus did, took it away and God said, okay, we cool now, right? Like, you're good to go. You can be around me. No, instead, like what God has done through the, the, um, the removal of our sins through the blood of Jesus, God then in turn invited us into his family. He adopted us, that he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my family. And so that's often, I think, why in church settings, um, family is such an appropriate thing to call one another, because for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, that's what we are. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And a key element of family is love. Um, in, in, uh, you even just look at science, right? You look at nature versus nurture, and you look at um, both humans and, and then animals and alike, that when they're in a setting um, where, where love is poured out, where um, nurture, where care is like the basis of that relationship, um, those beings thrive in those situations, um, and, and they thrive in being able to show care and love to others as well, that we are created to be in a place where we belong and we're cared for inside of family, um, and that comes from love. And um, I have a little sister, so our family was just uh, my dad, my mom, and myself for a long time, and um, my, se my sister and I are seven years apart. And when she was born, I really, I prayed for a brother. He's funny like that. Um, but uh, when she was born, I was still stoked to have a sibling. Um, not an only child anymore and stuff like that. And when she was an infant, it was so easy to love my little sister. It was so easy to read um, books to her. Brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? Um, I think I have that book memorized from reading it so many times. And, and she's adorable. She's cute. She can't help like how cute she is. And she can't help that she's like in a messy state or stuff like that. And even that sometimes is cute. But then the second she started talking, 
there was like a switch. The second she learned probably either her first or second word, no, like it was a lot harder to love my little sister for some reason, right? And actually as time went on, as I got older, as she got older, it became harder and harder to love her where it wasn't the natural output. And she's an awesome, awesome person. Um, but the natural thing I wanted to do as an older brother was not just like, oh, I love you, Amelia. I want to read you Brown Bear, Brown Bear again um, as you're 12. Um, but instead it was like, how can I get at her? How can I like blame her for something that I did? How can I be as devious as possible and me get away with it? <laughs> right? Like that was what I lived for as an older brother. And love didn't come as naturally to me with my little sister. And I would say that in this church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, does not always come very naturally to us to love one another either. For some people, um, in certain situations, there's certain people that are pretty easy to love, um, and there's other people that are really hard. Uh, I didn't get to choose my sister. I didn't get to choose my mom and dad. Um, I'm so thankful that I have them. Um, and I didn't get to choose who was in this youth group. I didn't get to choose, for the most part, um, who's on this staff or who's in this church, um, who, who's in the global church of everybody that's following Jesus around the world. But yet, you are my brothers and sisters. So how do I learn to love you better? How do we learn to love each other even when it's hard? So um, we're going to look at how Jesus um, how Jesus loved. He's a great example to look uh, to how do we how do we love? Look to Jesus first, right? As disciples of Jesus, we should look to our teacher. So that's why we're in John 13. And to set the stage a little bit, um, you're going to be John 13, verse 34. Um, set the stage. This is most likely right before Jesus um, is uh, taken, taken off to go to the cross. Um, and he's hanging out with his disciples, having a meal like he, he normally had. Um, and in that culture, in that time, the dirtiest part of a person in their culture was their feet. And that's because they walked everywhere, right? Um, and they wore sandals or they were barefoot. Most of the time they wore sandals, um, but they would just collect dust and dirt, no paved roads or anything like that. So any time that you had to go into a home, um, most likely as visiting or even your own home, you had to wash your feet. And before meals, uh, often there would be a washing that took place. Um, and so disciples all sit down, feel like they're good to go, ready for the meal. And then Jesus does something really different. All of a sudden Jesus gets up, goes and grabs a towel, grabs a, grabs a bowl of water, and then one by one he goes around and he kneels down beside them and takes the, takes the bowl of water, takes the rag, and then starts scrubbing each disciple's feet. And this is the Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. This is the Jesus that brought the blind sight. This is the Jesus that healed the paralyzed, that cast out demons, and he's serving his disciples. And it's this crazy moment that's going on. So this has already happened in, in their meal. They're kind of blown away because um, at the end of it, Jesus says, now do this for one another as I have done for you. And that's where we jump then to verse 34. This is a little later on in this same setting, um, but that kind of sets the stage. And then Jesus says this to them. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we'll stop there. So a new command. That's kind of crazy, right? Jesus, God's son, is once again is showing um, himself to be God in the flesh um, to his people, that this is a new command. This is this important to God that you would know this. Um, Because we see God's love made known through who Jesus is. So Jesus adds to his validity of being God by saying, you have now seen the love of God through me. Now do this for one another. Love one another. This is a command. And remember last week, um, Matt talked about obeying, um, how we obey God and we love God by obeying him. Um, And it's not always easy to obey God commands, but how good of a command to get to obey and love one another, something that we all long to receive. But now Jesus is saying, pour that out. Love one another as I love you. Because our love for one another is hugely important as Christians, as Jesus followers, as disciples. Because at the end of that, in verse 35, Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. By this is this is the way that people are going to know that you're my followers. This is the way that people are going to know that you have put your hope and trust in me. So if we want people to see, like we want the world to see, we want people that are far from Jesus to see um, that we are his followers. How has he said that we do that? Is it by defending God in all these different ways? Is it by like blog posts of um, how much in love with God we are? Not that those are bad things, but he says, no, love one another. And that is how people will know that you are my disciples, that you follow me. So I want to ask us a question as a group. And it's rhetorical. Just think about it. If people from your school... Or to look at this group, how we live together, how we do life together, both Wednesdays and outside of it, um, would they look at this group and be like, man, this group loves each other so differently than I've ever seen before. This group like so commits themselves to one another. This group is so patient with each other. This group is so quick to forgive one another. This group is so good at getting to know new people, seeing the person that's off by themselves and saying, no, I'm going to go and be with them. If someone looked at this group and saw how we live, didn't hear me teach, didn't hear the worship song songs, didn't see small groups, but just saw how we interacted together, would they be able to see that we're Jesus followers by how we live our lives? Something to think about. We'll have more time to talk about that in a little bit. Because really... Like, people who follow Jesus should be so awesome at loving people. Should be, right? And it's not because we're better people. Not when we start following Jesus, all of a sudden it's like downloaded in us that, oh, now I'm a crazy kind person all of a sudden. I didn't even have to learn how to do it. Um, But um, the reason that we should be awesome at loving other people is because of what Jesus said in verse 34. Love one another as I have loved you. Look at my example. Look at how I have loved you. And then pour that out onto one another as well. And how has Jesus loved us? Right? How has Jesus loved you? 
where have you seen, where have you encountered the crazy love of Jesus Christ? Was it when you realized that your sins, that, um, that what separated you from God, what, what caused distance from you from God was covered by his blood? What kind of love is that? Is it the love that we see as he comes to the widows and the orphans and the poor and says, come be with me? Maybe you felt, you felt far off. You felt like nobody notices me, but yet Jesus sees and loves me. How Jesus brings healing into people's lives. Um, and, and, and for some of you, I know, like just from hearing some of the stories, he's brought healing into your lives because he loves you. So uh, I happened to go to youth group at one point in my life, and um, I'll share a little bit about what I was like. So uh, all throughout middle school, and then I only went to youth group my freshman, sophomore year, really. So I had a really tight-knit group of friends, um, and uh, there was probably like six or seven of us that were super close. And I was the kid, and a lot of my friends were this too, that especially in middle school, I'm talking during all the lessons. I'm trying to think of something super funny to say, and it always was funny. You better believe that. Thank you. You guys don't laugh at me, so I second-guess myself. Um, but I always was super stoked about the games, really energetic with all of it, um, and uh, really outgoing. And then high school came around, and um, time after time, I would have leaders tell me or tell some of my friends um, like you guys are like the leaders in this group as far as students go. Even from my freshman year, I remember, I remember hearing that, like people look to you. And how I took that was like, yeah, that's right, they are. They should be looking towards me because I'm pretty cool and just gave myself like the pat on the back. Um, but some of the other things I did, I remember um, students that really – wanted to peers that really wanted to be like close in with our tight-knit group of friends and I was really good at being like uh-uh like you don't fit um you don't belong you you don't know uh it wouldn't be as much fun if you were joining us um I was really good at making plans inviting only the people that I wanted to be there and not thinking for a second um who God might have me invite um or who God might want me to include in the midst of that. I was also, so my, my youth group was a little different than the one we have here. So I lived in Portland and where the church was located, there was lots um, of other um, high schools in the area. So lots of kids from different high schools came to the same youth group. And I probably went to school with around five or six out of like the 40, 45 high schoolers that, um, that were at our youth group. And uh, I would see them, interact with them usually um, on Wednesday nights or at summer camp or at retreats. But then I'd see them walking the halls in school, um, and they'd say, hey, Matt. And I'd be like, oh, hey, because I was with my friends. And I'd pretend at times like I didn't even know some of these same kids that the night previous I was in a small group with them and listening to them as they poured their heart out or that I'd be praying with them about something or that I'd be standing with my arms raised in the air praising God in worship as they were next to me as well. And I wouldn't even pretend like they existed. Because my big problem when I was in youth group um, is I loved people like oftentimes the rest of the world does or which comes natural 
to us is that I loved people that were like me. I loved people that I had stuff in common with. I loved people that made me laugh. I loved people that I was comfortable with. And I didn't realize like how crucial it is that we love people that are so different than us. Um, so different. Because when we just love people that are like us, we actually really don't love them. We just love ourselves a whole ton. Um, and, and I loved myself for a really long time. I was really lonely because of that. Because I missed out on all these people I could do life with, all these people that could add to my walk with Jesus because I said they didn't belong or they didn't fit. If you're somebody that just wants to be friends with, just wants to be brothers and sisters in Christ with someone that's just similar to you because it's easier, you are missing out. And I've missed out a lot of my adult life as well um, because there's just, at times, there's people that are hard, right? It's not just that they're different. like They kind of get under our skin um, and they kind of rub us the wrong way. So in those situations... How can we grow? How can we grow as a group? Where if people were to look from the outside in and looked at this group, um, and they, they could say and they could see, man, that group must be following Jesus. Or man, that group, like they love people so different um, than other friend groups I've experienced. There's a couple things um, I want to leave you with um, to focus on. A couple ways that I think um, we could work on this as a group together. We can work on it as individuals to better love people holistically. And it starts with serving, right? So Jesus washing his disciples' feet, he gives him such a picture of what his love looks like by stooping low, God of the universe, to wash sinful man's feet. Um, and, and as we went through Mark, Remember that where we came to that passage where, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's like, in, in, in God's kingdom, um, the first will be last and the last will be first. The greatest will be among those who are the least of these. The greatest will be the one who is servant to all. That Jesus' kingdom is upside down, that it's not about working our way to the top, but it's starting at the bottom and serving the people around us and Jesus who had every right for all of those disciples to be washing his feet to bowing to down to him praising him instead he washes theirs so how can we do that do I just bust out a bucket and a rag tonight um, we've actually done that at youth group before back in the past it's been a while um, but is that how we serve each other um, culturally not so much it's still such a good symbol right um, for serving one another. But something I thought of for us um, is that we were all created to be known, right? We were created to be known. In the garden, we look at Adam and Eve, and there's nothing hidden before sin enters the world. There's nothing hidden between them and nothing hidden between God. And we have opportunity every week here, and you have opportunities outside of um, Wednesdays as well, to share who you are with people. Um, to really let people know you. We're not saying that every week in small groups just open up about the deepest, darkest stuff that's going on. But man, we would miss out if we didn't know who Kess is. 
would miss out if we didn't know Tessa. We'd miss out if we didn't know Drew, if we didn't know Callum. And let them know who you actually are. You don't have to put up a facade. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. Because God created you to be you. And that's what we should get to show people and share with people. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And then in turn in that, some of you are already doing that. And, and, and you're really good at, at sharing the gift of who you are with people. Also, we should seek to know others. Uh, this is a room where it works both ways. It's not just about people getting to know us. It's about us getting to know others as well. Seek out knowing one another. Um, seek to know each other deeper. Don't be satisfied with a surface-level relationship. There's so much more we can share in together. And maybe you're somebody that holds back in small groups every single week. Um, go for it. Uh, you're missing out and the rest of your group's missing out when you don't, when you don't say what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Another way that we can love each other is by encouraging. Um, so think on a week-to-week basis, like what do you do more? Um, do you more often talk about, think about people in a negative way or in a positive way? Um, and I would love to say uh, before you that, man, 100% of the time, I think about people in a positive way. I never complain. I never whine. I never wish they were different, but that's not true, right? I've worked on that a lot in my life, but man, there are times that I still just want to be negative towards people. Um, and it was so awesome for those of you that were at the retreat, and there's a lot of you. Uh, we love that yarn circle, right? Where someone has the ball of yarn, they pass it to someone else, and they get to encourage them in what they've seen God doing in their life or how they've impacted them based off the relationship or something that they've shared. We love encouragement. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. With how you talk about people, how you talk to people, is it for their benefit? Is it to build them up? And a lot of time I got to catch myself when it's just to tear somebody down or it's just that I feel better about myself instead of truly hoping to add to their faith, to add to who they are, to add to their day. We also have to be really quick to forgive because uh, family's messy. Uh, family's hard and we're not perfect. We screw up. I screw up. Um, and, and I hope you guys know that. that, that myself. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. <laughs> um, I, re- <laughs> I remember in youth group looking up at the youth pastor, looking at the youth leaders, and I was like, man, I am never going to be a Christian like them. They have got it all together. No, I don't. Right? Don't think for a second I've got it all together. Uh, I have to come before God in repentance and asking for forgiveness because I screw up so often. And I'm guessing a lot of you in this room are going to be married someday. Some of you are like, uh-uh, ain't no way. That was actually my wife. So, ha-ha. Um, good luck. Um, but you've got to be so quick to ask for forgiveness. You've got to be so quick to forgive as well. And we've got to do that in this family. There's going to be people that hurt you, no doubt. Um, your leaders at times will let you down, no doubt. We, we don't want to. That's never our intention, but it happens sometimes. Uh, we got to be quick to forgive each other. Colossians 3.13 says, 
Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Finally, prayer. Um, Do you guys ever pray for each other? Pray for your friends. Do you pray for the people in your small group? Not just when it's like, all right, pray for the person on your left, but like, do you have one another in this group on each other's hearts? Um, Some of you probably don't know this. So uh, every Wednesday, an hour before you guys get here at youth group, our staff gets together and we go through the flow of the night. Um, But we also, the biggest portion of of our time together um, on Wednesdays is we pray for you guys. Um, and, And we pray for you by name. We pray for you by situation that's going on. Um, And a big part of that time is we're asking God's help so that we might love you on Wednesday nights and every other day really well. We ask God's help in your lives for the situations that are going on. Um, We ask that you would know the God of the universe, that you would experience him in this place, that you wouldn't be alone, that you would have abundant life, um, life to the full. And we pray that, and I, I don't say that to like pat ourselves on the back, but it brings us so much joy to pray for you, um, because then when we actually see these things come about, man, it's like, God, you did it. Like what I asked for, you did in that person's life. Thank you for letting me partner with you in that. I encourage you guys, pray for one another. When uh, someone from this group comes into your mind, don't just think, huh, that's weird. Um, Maybe start talking to God and say, hey, like, thank you for that person. Like, I don't know what you're doing in their life right now, but God, would you be with them right now? It's as simple as that. So, um, man, I think this group, honestly, like, um, in, in a lot of ways, we're pretty good at loving each other. But I do think there's some ways we really need to grow. Um, and I think we all got to look inwardly, uh, inwardly first to see how outwardly we should live with each other to love one another better. And we're going to get to process that in our small groups um, for a bit. Because if we don't love our brothers and sisters in Christ, who really in common, we have Jesus, we have our Lord and our Savior, that should be the biggest thing that binds us together, unites us together. Uh, And if we can't love each other, we can't love people that alongside us love Jesus, how the heck, are we supposed to love people that want nothing to do with him? How the heck do we leave these four walls and go out to everyone else and seek to love them as well if we can't love each other, if we can't get this thing right? And it's a process. We grow, we change, we fail, we ask for forgiveness. But God's so good to take our faith, to take our effort and bless it. Um, and I hope for this group, um, that God, um, that God does this here in us, that we grow closer together, that our love grows for one another, and that it would bless so many people because of it. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to our small groups uh, where you'll have some time to process this. Uh, at the end of tonight, um, how we come back together, we did this about a month or two ago. Uh, middle schoolers are going to come in. And uh, you're going to have the opportunity to pray for a couple middle schoolers. So you can pair up with a buddy, go to a couple middle schoolers, and pray for them. And this is such an awesome way that we can love the next generation of high schoolers that are coming through, that are learning to be disciples of Jesus as well. And that may seem scary. It may seem big. And yeah, it is. It totally is. Um, 
until you start talking to them because they're middle schoolers and they're way more scared of you than you are of them, right? Um, and you are blessing them. You are showing them what family looks like when you choose to love them. And I encourage you to pray about a couple things. They've been in this kind of series of questions right now, um, what questions are on their hearts. You can ask them flat out, like, are there some of the questions that you've had a hard time with? Don't try to answer them, but just say, okay, let's pray for those questions that you're gonna um, that you're asking right now. Those are big. Pray for truth, um, that they would find truth in Jesus. So I'll pray. Um, that'll happen later on tonight. We'll go to small groups, process for a bit. Jesus, we thank you that you love family so much, so much so that you would invite us into yours. But God, we still um, we still don't know how to function in family a lot of the time. We have a hard time loving one another. We have a hard time being loved, too. And so, God, I pray for my friends, for my brothers and sisters in Christ here, uh, that we would seek you for how we can grow. God, would you help me to love them better? Um, I want to be a good older brother. And so, God, we need your help in that because there are so many things that get in the way. And a lot of time for me, it's me that gets in the way the most. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to take risks um, by going out of our way um, to to ask the questions that actually matter, to be with one another, to invite one another, even when it feels awkward or weird. And God, would you do so many amazing things through the love that we have one another that it just spills out of this place onto everybody else. In your name, amen.